0: Good to see you here tonight. We are going to be in Leviticus. I encourage you to take your Bible, or the Pew Bible, turn to Leviticus chapter 21. We're going to cover 21 and 22 today. Pastor Nick and I have a plan. We should be able to finish Leviticus and the Ten Commandments before the end of October, if everything goes according to plan, which things usually never do. Uh, and there's always there's a few special things in there too, but sometimes things come up where we get a call from missionaries that are able to come in, but we'll see what, what we can do. Uh, so we're going to make some headway here in Leviticus, finishing it up in the PM service. We'll do it this week, and then after that we'll go to the Ten Commandments and, and get those wrapped up, and uh, then come back. All right, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would illuminate this passage to us that on one hand this may look like some old rules that don't apply to us but help us to see how it points ahead and it points ahead to our Savior. So we give you praise. We ask that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and we thank you for he that was offered up on our behalf. So be with us each here tonight. Prepare us uh, in our hearts that we be prepared to um, take the Lord's Supper. To think about the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. I want it awesome surprising, and beautiful thing it is. Help us to love you more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Looking at Leviticus 21 and 22, there are two ways really to view this passage. One way would be to see it as a bunch of obscure old rules that some of these we're not going to understand why exactly would this make sense? Why is it important? And these old rules that don't apply to us And in some ways they don't, because I am not a priest or a high priest, neither is Pastor Nick. We do not live under the old covenant economy, the way of doing things, so there are many ways that these don't apply to us. But that's one way to view it and say, why are we wasting our time doing this? The other way to look at this is to look at this as a passage that beautifully leads us To receive the Lord's Supper tonight. And if you start by viewing this passage the first way, a bunch of old rules that don't apply, and what's the point? I hope by the end that we will all see it the other way as we get prepared to take the Lord's Supper. So, Leviticus chapter 21, this message is without blemish. And we're going to, I really do hope you have the passage open. A lot of this message is just going to be reading the passage and making a few comments and observations. And you'll get more out of it if you can can follow along. So we'll read Leviticus 21 first, kind of with the main point that God requires the priest to be without blemish. Leviticus 21, And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the priests the sons of Aaron and say to them so again this is specifically directed towards the priests this is not everyone in Israel this is the priests and it says no one shall make himself unclean for the dead among his people except for his closest relatives his mother his father his son his daughter and his brother or his virgin sister who is near to him because she has had no husband For her, he may make himself unclean. So if you remember, to be unclean here, this doesn't mean it's necessarily something that's sinful, but they weren't to have contact with a dead body. Uh, or It made them ceremoniously unclean for an amount of time. So to the regular priests here, they were not supposed to be um, handling or, or touching dead bodies. It gives the exception here for regular priests with some close family members. So verse 4, He shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people and so profane himself. They shall not make bald patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts on their body. Now that seems weird, but again, this is a reference to some of the practices of mourning that some of the pagan nations would do, and so these would also be things that they were not supposed to be doing. Uh, you, know, marring themselves and, and cutting themselves in different ways uh, in order to to mourn for the dead. Verse six, they shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the Lord's food and the bread of their God, therefore they shall be holy. There was a added uh, degree of importance of holiness, of separation that these priests needed to have. They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled. Neither shall they marry a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to God. You shall sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, by becoming a prostitute, profanes her father, and she shall be burned with fire. It goes on here. So at first, we're seeing that uh, we saw these restrictions on mourning and marriage, and now it's going to um, talk about not just the priest, but the high priest. And so if there were high standards for the regular priests, there are even higher standards for the, for the high priest, the, uh, the one priest that was uh, the head of all of them, originally Aaron. The priest who is chief among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil is poured... And who has been consecrated to wear the garments shall not let the hairs of his head hang loose nor tear his clothes. And those were normal signs of mourning. He shall not go into any dead bodies nor make himself unclean, even for his father or for his mother. He shall not go out of the sanctuary lest he profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is on him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow, or a divorced woman, or a woman who has been defiled, or a prostitute. These he shall not marry, but he must take of his wife a virgin of his own people, that he may not profane his offspring among his people, for I am the Lord who sanctifies him. I was pointing out this, too. In uh, different from Roman Catholic theology where the priests were not allowed to marry. Obviously, the Old Testament priests were, but they were restricted uh, in who they could marry. And so even uh, some people that would have been okay for, for non-priests or non-high priests to marry were out of bounds for, for these priests. There's this added level of holiness of separation that they were supposed to have. We'll keep going here. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, saying, none of your, and this part is going to talk about, uh, because we we saw before this, it's talking about some of the uh, restrictions having to do with mourning and for marriage. And there's an application here that the, the priest needed to have a character that was above reproach and it also connected to his family's character. It was a reflection on him. You couldn't have a daughter that was a prostitute or uh, something like that. And I'll say, even though this passage doesn't exactly apply in the New Testament era, there's, there's some overlap in this. That there is a requirement for, for church leaders to be above reproach. And there are requirements for our, for our families, for the deacons. There are requirements for how wives are to act and their character. And if it's for deacons, it's also for the elders' or pastor's wives, so the same would apply to to Hope and to Ashley. And there's just um, an example that is supposed to be set. So although it's not exact, I think there is application for us that are in leadership positions of one way or another. But now this last section, this is going to talk even about physical imperfections. And I, I think we need to note that these physical imperfections, they're not sinful. It's not the fault of these people. This passage, isn't, it doesn't mean that these people with these conditions are worth less. They're still created in the image of God and have dignity and value and worth. So it doesn't mean they're less valuable. But you're going to see there are some things that would disqualify someone from being a priest and offering the sacrifices. And I think the reason for this, God was communicating something that is important and something that is true, especially, I believe, for the future. So let's read this section, verse 16. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may, offer, may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near." A man blind or lame or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man with a defect in his sight or an itching, disease or scabs or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron the priest who has a blemish shall come near to offer the Lord's food offering since he has a blemish. He shall not come near to offer the bread of God, he may not eat the bread of his he excuse me, verse twenty-two says, He may eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and the holy things, but he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar, because he has a blemish, that he may not profane my sanctuaries, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Moses spoke to Aaron and to his sons and to all the people of Israel. So list some of these physical defects that would keep a priest. And there were certain qualifications. It had to be an Israelite. It had to be, and so it couldn't just be anyone to begin with. It had to be an Israelite. And it couldn't just be any Israelite. It had to be from the tribe of Levi. And it couldn't just be from anyone from the tribe of Levi. The priests were from the family of Aaron, and there were specific ones. But if they had these type of imperfections, they could still eat the food because it was part of their priestly share, but they weren't able to make the offerings and go into the holy places. So again, God is, I think, communicating something here for the future and something about himself as well. So we see there, I think, just a main point. There's a lot of details and a lot of different rules, and we won't take time to dig into all of those. But I think the main point we see is it's saying that the priest needed to be without blemish. It's making that point really emphatically. Let's go on to Leviticus 22 and read that. And basically, we'll say that this is about the sacrifice, that God requires the sacrifice to be without blemish. So there's going to be some rules at the beginning about who can eat the sacrifice food, but especially when we get to the end, it's going to say that the sacrifices also need to be without blemish. I'm making that point very, very clear. So again, let's read. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so that they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, If any one of your offspring throughout your generations approaches the holy things that the people of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has an uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from my presence." I am the Lord. And we saw there were certain things, certain ailments, skin diseases, and things that would make someone, uh, at least temporarily, unfit to approach God's presence. And all of this, the whole book of Leviticus, is about communicating how holy God is. And that because he's so holy, he can only be approached in holiness by others that are holy. Unholiness cannot come into his sight. Uncleanness cannot come into his his presence. So he's reminding the priests of this. Verse 4, None of the offspring of Aaron who has a leprous disease or a discharge may eat of the holy things until he is clean. Whoever touches anything that is unclean through contact with the dead or a man who has had an emission of semen or who touches a swarming thing by which he... May be made unclean, or a person from whom he may take uncleanness, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who touches such a thing shall be unclean until the evening, and shall not eat of the holy things unless he has bathed his body in water. When the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and afterwards he may eat of the holy things because they are his food. So they could eat them, but only at the time after he became clean again. And he shall not eat what dies of itself or is torn by beasts. So they couldn't be eaten roadkill. And so make himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my charge lest they bear sin for it and die thereby when they profane it. I am the Lord who sanctifies them. And here's where it's going to start talking about the sacrifices as, as well. Well, in a little bit. A layperson... "...shall not eat of a holy thing, nor a foreign guest of the priest, nor a hired servant shall eat of the thing. But if a person buys a slave or his property for money, the slave may eat of it, and anyone born in his house may eat of his food. If a priest's daughter marries a layman, she shall not eat of the contribution of the holy things. But if a priest's daughter is widowed or divorced and has no child and returns to her father's house, as in her youth, she may eat of her father's food." yet no layperson shall eat of it. So there was a right for the priests that some, for some of the sacrifices, uh, there was an amount of the food that the priest uh, was given to them to eat. And this is saying this is also extended to the members of the priest's immediate, their, their family as well. And so it's laying out certain things. So if you had a, uh, the priest had a daughter, while she was within his household, she may eat of it. But if she married someone who was not a priest, now she doesn 't get to eat of it because she 's under another household, but if she needs to return to the father 's household, then she would be able to eat of it again that 's the kind of the summary of what it, this is saying here and If anyone eats of a holy thing unintentionally, he shall add a fifth of its value to it and give the holy thing to the priests. They shall not profane the holy thing of the people of Israel, which they contribute to the Lord and so cause them to bear iniquity and guilt by eating their holy things, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. We see that phrase over and over. All right, now it's going to talk about the acceptable offerings here. We're Verse 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of the house of Israel or of the sojourners in Israel presents a burnt offering— as is offering, for any of their vows or free will offerings that they offer to the Lord, if it is to be accepted for you, it shall be a male without blemish. Okay, it had to be a male without blemish, very specific there, of the bulls or the sheep or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill a vow or a free will offering from the herd or from the flock, to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. The very first message in the series, we talked about these different types of sacrifices, and a lot of details there. But the main point here is these sacrifices needed to be uh, without blemish. Verse 22, animals blind or disabled or mutilated for having a discharge or an itch or a scab, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. Okay, so you couldn't just say, "Well, I guess I got to give an offering, so I got this, you know, nasty, you know, lamb here that's all kinds of problems with it, and I don't really want it, so I'll give this to the Lord." It's saying, "No, you you need to give one that's without blemish. Are you giving the Lord just the thing you want to get rid of, or are you going to give it something that him something that's perfect and?" Without, without blemish. And that's the only thing that was allowed. You may present a bull or a lamb that has a part too long or too short for a free will offering, but for a vow offering it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has its testicles bruised or crushed or torn or cut, you shall not offer to the Lord and you shall not do it within your land. You might be thinking too much information there, but they're uh, listing this for the uh, people of Israel. "'Neither shall you offer as the bread of your God "'any such animals gotten from a foreigner "'since there is a blemish in them "'because of their mutilation. "'They will not be accepted for you.'" Verse 26. "'And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "'When an ox or sheep or a goat is born, "'it shall remain seven days with his mother, "'and from the eighth day it shall be acceptable "'as a food offering to the Lord.'" But you shall not kill an ox or a sheep or her young in one day. And when you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten on the same day, and you shall leave none of it until morning. I am the Lord. We're almost done. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified. It means made holy, seen as holy, bent, viewed as holy among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. All right. Made it through that. A lot of details, a lot of different things. And like we said, a lot of this, you know, is very specific to the people of Israel. There are points you could squeeze out of it. the main points... God required the priest to be without blemish. God required the sacrifices to be without blemish. If we wanted to summarize this message, kind of the main point, it would basically be that God requires a perfect sacrifice to be made by a perfect priest. That's what he's communicating to these people. And in the Old Covenant, They would have seen this as as rules and regulations. Some of them would have been able to to look forward and see where God was going with this because God was setting up a, a foreshadow of what he was going to be doing later on. Let me ask this. In the whole Old Testament, has there ever actually been an absolutely perfect human priest? I mean, you could find a priest that was acceptable according to, to, to a lot of rules. But if you said absolute perfection, I mean, flawlessness, has there ever been a mere mortal that measures up to that standard? What about a sacrifice? Has there ever been a sacrifice that's been made? You know, a, a lamb or you know, a goat or a, a bull that's been just, you know, so absolutely perfect in form and whatever that it's like has just this, this infinite ultimate you know, value that's without any type of flaw whatsoever. So there would have been ones that were, were close enough for the Old Testament sacrifices. But then when we look at this, we see that it's pointing forward to something more. Something that, that we, as New Testament Christians, we can grasp. We can understand, we can see where these these shadows have been pointing the whole time. And this is where, if we just look at this passage as obscure, outdated rules that don't, most of these don't really apply to us at all, then what's the point? That's one way we could say, well, what's the point of Leviticus? But on the other hand, we could look at this as something that, this is drawing us to be able to appreciate the Lord's Supper that we are about to take part in. Because Jesus, Jesus is the priest without blemish. The New Testament makes this very, very clear. That Jesus is, he's the ultimate fulfillment of this. He's the one that had been looking for this whole time. And all the other, the the priests and Aaron and everyone else, they, they could point towards this, but they could never fully fulfill this role of this priest. A priest is someone that needs to be a a go-between, between between God and man, to be a bridge between between us and the transcendent God who made us. And God set up the system in the Old Testament with these these human priests, but Jesus is the one that fulfills this. In the book of Hebrews, which if you read Leviticus and Hebrews together, there's so much that, that goes together. Hebrews 4, Since then, we have a great high priest. We have a great high priest. Okay, it's not Pastor Nick. It's not me. But you do have a great high priest. Let's see who it is. Who has passed through the heavens? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. That means that you do have a high priest who can sympathize with your weakness because you're, you're tempted. There's times when you're discouraged, when you're, you're you're beaten down by life. You do have a high priest that, that knows what that's like. I have a high priest that knows what it's like to, to bear temptation, uh, pushing down on him, trying to get him to disobey God, to do what is wrong. But it goes on and says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest that is without blemish. It is the first person since Adam and Eve fell that has been a human being without sin. Adam and Eve lasted for a little while. Just a little while. Since then, no one. Has been in this world untainted by sin. We all are, until Jesus. And where Adam and Eve, they they failed the test. They did not live according to God's commandment. Jesus went through this life, and not only did he never ever sin, he always did what was right. He always kept the law, every part of it, not just the outside parts, but the inside part. He kept it with his his body, he kept it with his heart. His heart was always loving God. His heart was always putting God first. The Ten Commandments, he actually kept all of those completely, down to the core, down to the deepest meaning of each of these. He was completely without sin. If you think, well, to be human is to sin, well, that's true for everyone in this room, but in a way, we are, we are the exception to the original plan, Because when God made human beings, we were not fallen. But when we fell into sin, since then, every one of us has come into this world. But there will be a time, if you are a believer, when God will take all that sin out of your life, when you are glorified in heaven, you won't even be able to sin. But you you won't be less human. You will be more human than you've ever been, really. And so Jesus Christ was, he was the most human of all of us. Genuinely human. And fully God. He was the perfect sacrifice. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy to find grace to help in time of need. Not only was Jesus the priest without blemish. Jesus was also the sacrifice without blemish. In the old covenant, I mean, the the priest was one thing. The sacrifice was something else. But when you think of Jesus, is he the priest or is he the sacrifice? Biblically, he is both of these. And Hebrews, among other places, tells us he is the great high priest and he is the sacrifice. He offered a sacrifice to God on our behalf and the sacrifice that he offered was himself. And therefore, not only a perfect priest, but a perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 9 is one place that talks about that starting with verse 24, for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands. Remember, the the priests had to be without blemish so they could enter into these holy places to make the sacrifice. Christ has entered into holy places, not just uh, the the human ones, but the real tabernacle, the, the ultimate ones. Not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. That's what a priest does. He goes to God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly. This implies he was going to offer himself, but not repeatedly, like these Old Testament sacrifices over and over and over and over. As the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin. And get, this is the important part. By the sacrifice of, say it with me, himself. He gave himself. The perfect priest gave himself as the perfect sacrifice. That's what all these Old Testament passages, ultimately, we say, what, what's the point of all this? It was pointing ahead to this. So this would make sense. So that when we take the Lord's Supper, when we realize what Christ did for us on the cross, that we are, we are looking back to a perfect priest, making a perfect sacrifice. And that's the only way that we can be saved. By trusting in him. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, we're all going to die. And after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let me give you one last thought before we close and move to the Lord's Supper. We think of all these things in the Old Testament that kept the priests from uh, offering their sacrifices, that kept them from approaching God physical ailments if they were blind if they were maimed if they were lame you know, as we've been going through the, the gospel of Luke for those of you that have been a part of that you notice what kind of people is it that time and time again we see Jesus inviting he invites the blind he invites the maimed he invites the, the lame and that's the good news for us because none of us is perfect None of us is physically perfect. We all got things wrong with us. But even more importantly, we all have imperfect hearts, full of sin and imperfection. If it was up to us, there's no way we could come close to a holy God. But praise God that although we are imperfect, we can be accepted through he who was perfect in our place. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you praise. But oh, we thank you that we have a perfect high priest tempted, but who stood the test, lived a perfect life in our place, and gave himself as an offering to take away our sin. He took the wrath that we deserve on himself so that we who are imperfect could come before a holy God because we have a perfect Savior who is a perfect substitute for us. All glory to you. All glory to God. All glory to Jesus Christ. We trust you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.